Hey there, and welcome to Vet Club. This will be another edition of Journal Club, Student Journal Club edition. And I'm super excited to welcome a new guest to the show, Will Boyd. Welcome, Will. Thank you. Uh, happy to be on. Yeah. So um, we're going to do something slightly different this time. So you've selected, first of all, that's different. You selected the article, which is, this is the first time I didn't at least choose some options for somebody. So you came with an idea. Um, and the reason you came with an idea um, is because this is related to some research that you're doing. Yes. Yeah. So um, the article we're looking at is a novel duplex RT-QPCR for uh, rabies surveillance. Um, currently I'm working on both my DVM and my master's in public health. And okay. so my MPH project is focused on, um, doing some surveillance for rabies and wild bat populations and, uh, better understanding that that population of rabies, since we have a lot of fear in the general mm -hmm. public about that. And even rightfully I would, so I would say, you yeah. know, to some degree. And I would even, I would even say that we have some fear of that in the veterinary community mm -hmm. as well. Um, just solely because we don't understand bats as well. I think. Gotcha. So there's fear of bats and then there's maybe, so depending on what you're talking, were you talking about fear of bats or fear of rabies? Both. Okay. I think the fear of rabies is legitimate. Not going to lie. Yes. <laughs> the fear of bats, you know, m maybe is, deserves some more nuance. Yes. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. And we should be scared of rabies. Yes. Rabies is terrible and devastating. So we'll, we'll talk about that some more, I'm sure. So you um, um, brought an article that was important for you in performing your research. And then eventually when you guys finish your research, there will be a new article and then maybe you can come back and talk about that one. That'll be really cool. Um, but, but you have not, like this is, this is research that's ongoing. You haven't published any of your, um, your stuff yet, correct? Not yet, no. Cool. But so you brought this article, so you're like, hey, this is really helpful, and this is how we do research, right? We build and build and build. And so this was um, an important article for you. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll talk about what the article is. So the title of it is Novel Duplex RTQPCR for Animal Rabies Surveillance um, by um, Minozo et al. And this was published in... Transboundary and Emerging Diseases. I'll be honest, not one I read regularly, um, but it's a recent one. So it was just from, it was just published in 2022. Um, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about it and why it's been so, so I read through it and there's definitely parts of it that I was like, don't understand that, um, which is going to happen when you read articles that are outside of your area of expertise. But I think I got the gist of it and there's some really exciting stuff in yes. this, like really exciting stuff. So um, I was like, man, this is never an article I would have come across on my own but I'm like, oh, this is this is cool. So I'm excited for you um, to share this and then how this feeds into your research. Yeah. So the basis of this article is looking at, um, these researchers were mostly focused on replacing what's known as the mouse inoculation test mm -hmm. with a qPCR. So and the mouse inoculation test is exactly what it sounds like. It is exactly what it so sounds like. So just give a little background on what, like, what the mouse inoculation test is for rabies testing. Yeah. So for rabies testing, the mouse inoculation test is taking that sample that you've collected from a suspicious mm -hmm. animal mm -hmm. and directly inoculating it into the cranium mm -hmm. of a mouse. Of a living mouse. Of a living mouse. And, and then, then waiting a, to see if it gets rabies. And waiting to see mm -hmm. if they show clinical signs. Now science. they do that after they do some other tests, right? Like most places will do that, but that's like the be all and end all the gold standard because rabies is such a huge human health risk. Yes. Right. And so they're like, we want to be totally sure um, that this, this, you know, animal that we are surveying either does or doesn't have rabies. And this is like the, the thing um, which a lot of people may not realize that that's ultimately what we do is we give a mouse rabies. 
Yes. Or we, we see, I mean, either way, I guess we're stabbing it in the brain, but, um, and if it gets rabies, then that sample obviously had rabies, but if not, I don't know, I'm assuming those rats get, or they, the mice get sacrificed either way. Um, but that's kind of awful. It is. And, yeah. and so that's what these researchers were that's, solely that's, looking at. They're trying to, that anymore. how do we replace, uh, animals when, and mm-hmm. minimize animal use, yeah. um, where we can. And so, well, and I imagine that takes time as well. It does. Yes. Right. I mean, like if we can do a test and have a, a definitive answer before waiting for a mouse to get raped, which not that it takes that much time, but you want to know as soon as possible if um, if this sample, had, you know, that you submitted was positive for rabies or not. So, yeah, so, yeah. Say the, the timeline for the for the current process is they'll do the direct immunofluorescence, mm-hmm. which takes its own time. Mm-hmm. And then they do that mouse inoculation mm-hmm. and they watch those mouse for up to 30 days. Oh, yeah. so so they there's a cutoff and the, the paper gets into anything that dies before five days is cut out of okay. that so then you have to repeat that sample oh, it's just two mice oh my goodness um, or more if it happens more, again exactly yeah. but so if it dies about, for any reason yeah so, for, so but if it gets rabies is it not going to die before the 30 days uh, before the five or, so it's five days after inoculation gotcha they okay. cut out anything that dies there Oh, within that five days. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. So if it dies after the five days, then they assume it was from rabies. Days. But okay. Yep. So if it was like a super fast rabies and killed it, we were like, oh, we're going to have to get a sturdier mouse to, to uh, yeah. yeah. That's just crazy. Um, okay. So they're basically, yeah, the, the people doing this study were like, we want to prove that our method that doesn't involve killing mice to, to verify this is just as good. Exactly. Okay. So what did they do? So um, they took a comparison, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they they ran all the samples. So the hard part was is that this was being done at a diagnostic lab. Yes. So they have to still follow the gold yeah. standard. Yeah, which, I mean, you have to do at any time, right? If you're trying to say our, our test is just as good until you've proven that, you do have to do the gold standard. So you have to do both yes. in parallel to, to convince people like, no, these are these are just as good. Yep. And so they were doing that and providing that data back to yeah. the animals that they had or the, right. the people, the animals that they yeah. collected. So they did the normal standard. You have to do that. And then they also did their own and stuff. And then they also did their own stuff. Mm-hmm. So they took um, a sample of the neurologic tissue mm-hmm. and they went through this whole process. From the rabies suspect. From the rabies, mm-hmm. rabies suspect. And they went through the whole process of basically mm-hmm. extracting the, stuff. Mm-hmm. the RNA out. They, you know, they, they beat the tissue up a little bit, extract like, the RNA out. the process, you know, it's easy. It's like cooking, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a very intricate process. Oh, but yeah. um, So they take those fragments and they mm-hmm. pull out the RNA mm-hmm. and then they run it through a PCR and they had constructed, you know, their forward primers, their reverse primers, their probes, and then um, their positive controls. This so had all been done prior to this particular had study. All yep. been done. Yep. yep. So so people had already gone through and synchronized the mm-hmm. genome, mm-hmm. and so they said this works. We think s- this works. We're ready to like exactly. test it against a real life population. Yep. And so then they ran it against the gold standard mm-hmm. that they had, mm-hmm. um, and so that's they kind of get into. They tell you how many positive results they had mm-hmm. on the gold standard versus negative. So there was 41 positive results on the gold standard, 47 mm-hmm. negative results. And then they compared that to their modified test, mm-hmm. which also found 
41 positives. 100% sensitivity. And, exactly. And 100% specificity, which yes. is pretty, I mean, that's, if you want to replace the gold standard, that's what you need, right? Exactly. You're going to have to convince people. So that's pretty exciting. So yeah, so they had known samples of positive and known samples of negative and they got the exact same results. So that was cool. So that was step one though, right? That was step one. Okay, and so then, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And then they decided, well, since this works so well, mm -hmm. let's open it up to all of the samples yeah. that we take. Yeah, yeah. Um, then it got real. <laughs> it, it got real. Yeah. So, um, so they ended up having, let's see over here. They had another, so 47 positive throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And then they have this huge giant number of negatives. Yeah. And which is good. Which is always good. <laughs> um, and then they went through and they ran the uh, RTQPCR. So they ended up having, mm -hmm. was that 3,563 negatives? Yeah. Like that, this is legitimate, right? Yes. Like they did so, there were so many numbers. I was so impressed. Yes. And of those, there was only two that were inconclusive yep. on the RTQPCR. And so I'm looking at, there was the table three where the, um, where it has that data where you had the, um, the positives, negatives, and then you had the the standard, what they they call in that table, I think the DI, yep. um, and they had they were negative on the DI, so they were they were tests that the gold the previous gold standard said were negative, and the new test just said inconclusive. Yes. Um. So it wasn't like they said inconclusive and missed a positive or something like you're like, oh, that's devastating. Um. And then there were three um on the DI, the gold standard test that were inconclusive, um. And those ones were negative on the the new test the Q, uh, the RTQ PCR. So, um, so I, you know, th the big thing you want to look for is that it didn't miss any positives, right? That would be tragic. And then the two that it missed were sort of like, uh, so what would you do in real life if you wanted to replace the, the current gold standard with this and make this the new gold standard? Yes. Yeah, would so you do it? I, I, I would. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And then what would you do if you get inconclusive tests? So that's one of the things that they talked about and I found really interesting. So what they actually said is, um, they're not looking to replace the gold standard. They're actually looking I think to. They should be. I think they should. But <laughs> they are. I, okay, let's be honest. They are, but they're just trying to be like, you know, hey, we got to ease people into this, right? Like, yes. Because we totally should replace the gold standard with this. Yes. So they actually said that they were looking to really preempt the gold standard. And yeah. so that they're saying that this is uh, a test that we can run before we do DI, before yep. we do mouse <clears throat> inoculation, and we can 99% of the time trust the answers. Yep. And, you know, yeah. if you go and through, if you get an inconclusive test, then go on and do the DI. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's that's 100 percent what I think should happen. So you are, in effect, replacing the gold standard um, in less in this. What is two out of three thousand six hundred and twelve? This like less than one percent of the time. Right. A tiny fraction of the time you get results. You're like, eh, OK, then we sacrifice two mice a year rather than thousands and thousands and thousands um, and save time and save money. Um, so like these are. Like they're the kind of results that you almost question. You're like, these are almost too good, right? Yeah. Like what, you know, but I, I mean, that's the whole thing. This is PCR. It's also, it's a pretty validated method for all sorts of things. Um, and like when you read about the current gold standard, you're like, that's kind of barbaric, right? Like we've come a long way scientifically. Why are, like I was actually like, are we still doing this? Really? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of crazy. Um, and I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. I don't Certainly think Certainly so. the general public, but I think a lot of veterinarians aren't aware that like, really? Yeah. That's, that's I, I think my, my feeling has been, you know, talking to a lot of classmates and even practitioners is 
we kind of have this thing of like when we send out samples, mm -hmm. we don't know what happens past that. Yeah, a lot of the times we don't. Well, you know, they do like the immunofluorescence staining thing because you get results for rabies testing back before 30 days. Like you yep. get them back usually pretty quickly. Um, but apparently after that, they're still doing testing to be like, and well, one, so that's a little bit scary too. Like, so they're giving me my results, but they actually, they're still, they're still testing stuff. So they could call me back and like, few weeks, like, just kidding. We were totally wrong about that. I've never had that happen, which makes me think the tests that we were doing before are probably pretty reliable too. Yeah. But yeah, just the fact that, and I think that it was the, it was the who, right? World Health Organization. That's their gold standard that is, is. is the, the um, direct inoculation. Yes. Um, and so. The direct immuno immunofluorescence. Uh, okay. Yes. I yes. think of it as direct stabbing <laughs> into the brain. You're yes. right. So the DI stands for direct, DI. but really it's direct inoculation yeah. into the brain. That, that, that I mean, you know, if you want to. That's kind of like left out on the end, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's the details right over that. Um, yeah. It's the mouse murder technique. <laughs> that's not going to, it's not going to brand well, but I mean, like this is just really exciting. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it seems like the goal of these research is like, we, we want to change the way we do this. Like at, that highest level, right? Yes. Um, and according to this, I mean, this is uh, just a really, again, there's parts of it that I'm like, that sounds legit. Sure. I mean, I, I can't <laughs> comment on their techniques and if their methods are sound. So I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt there. Um, but uh, as far as just looking at the numbers and like they, I don't even think, like, I don't even think they bother. I don't remember now. Do they even bother reporting for the larger study, the sensitivity and specificity? Cause like, there's just, no, there's, there's no need. It's there's, like a hundred percent. Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> so, which is just really cool. Um, yeah. You don't even have to do stats when your numbers are this good. No. <laughs> They're like, there's no stats. Like you can see it. It's like perfect. It's perfect. Um, and, and it's funny because the, um, the DI also isn't perfect. Right. Like, so they're really equally perfect um, in the sense that um, the DI was inconclusive in three cases. Um, yeah. There were three cases where it was like, mm, we, we just don't know. And there's yeah. another uh, limitation. So if you look on that line, you'll see DI not performed and there's four samples in yeah. there. Um, and one of the things they talk about is to do the DI, you have to have enough tissue mm. and they didn't have there, enough tissue yeah, to run right. the DI, but they there had was enough, enough tissue to run the qPCR. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. So they actually had four samples where, yeah, that's true. I, I, I forgot about, I do remember reading that and being like, oh yeah. So you need even less tissue, um, which is pretty great when you are, yeah. So th they store the tissue. And so they were like, oh, there's not enough for this. Oh, but we can still do it. Um, so yeah, just like there's so many better things about this test. Yes. It's, it's just superior in all ways. It is. And and rightfully <laughs> so, they, they won an award in Brazil for oh. reducing the uh, animal use. It's, it's their oh. equivalent of like health and human services. It's That's a national awesome. award. So, so yeah, very well, have. very well awarded. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting when you sit down and look at it. And I think the one criticism I would have of the paper is I wish they would have broadened where they took their samples from fair um but i think they're working meaning in, like outside of brazil uh or meaning outside of so they kind of so they go through the whole process of selecting samples and they're all animals that were submitted for neurologic disease or uh -huh. just found dead on the side of the road right. or found dead in a pasture uh -huh. and you basically know, I, what people are submitting basically. it was just the natural yes. submissions yeah, yeah yeah so i would just like to have seen um you know 
some other outside sample, gotcha. a normal animal, just so that I you know see. you feel Make better. Make sure you're not getting a bunch of false positives exactly. or something. I see. I mean, although I, there were a lot of negative tests. I, yeah, there are a lot of negative. <laughs> so I think there's enough yeah. power there. Sure. Um, but yeah. you know, just kind of if I, I was going to be like one little tidbit of, yeah. hey, could you just run a couple and just say, you know, we're we're very confident in this test. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like I'm convinced. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely no, use cool. it if I was if I was in a diagnostic lab. Yeah. I, well, and I think that for me was what I liked about it is they were like, this is the samples that we get. Like, this is what people are submitting to our lab um, to test for rabies. And so, um, and again, because they store samples and they, they have all this, it's like, yeah, we're just going to do this in addition. And um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I was, I was pretty good. Again, there's some of this stuff I'm not qualified to <laughs> critique. Um, but again, like the, the numbers and the, you know, I, I, to be fair to them though, other than when they get into like the, the technique for the PCR, it was very easy to read. Like it was a well-written article in that for me as a, a regular veterinarian, not doing this kind of, um, research, I was like, Oh, okay, I can, I can follow this again, the intricacies of the PCR and the methods. I was like, I'm going to trust you guys. Yes. Um, which sounds fair. Um, yeah, a couple points um, on like the third page or whatever, where they've got the actual like A C G C T T A A plot, and I'm like, I, I, that's cool. I mean, I'm sure yeah. somebody wants that. Yeah, but primers I'm like, and probes, and I and went through. I was public. like, well, let me go look into this. Like, I don't know. I think that one of those C's is out of place. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> sorry, I'm not. I'm sure somebody was doing that, but it was not me. Um, so, can you imagine? Like, what an annoying typo if it's like, yes. no, that wasn't what we did. That was just a typo in the paper. We, you know, and it invalidates the whole thing. Um, <laughs> that would be really bad. Yeah, <laughs> especially for a paper like this. But it was also like, oh man, they they put that whole sequence in there because that's like I don't know, thirty letters long. Yes. Yeah. Just take me back to like college biology. Yeah. <laughs> the C's and T's and G's. So it's yeah. actually really funny because I was um, searching for, um, you know, we use the primers and probes out of this paper uh -huh. um, in the research that we're doing currently. And so I was sitting down with my principal investigator and I was talking about it and we were trying to search for it. And I said, there needs to be a better way to search for these. They need to have a name right. or something. If this is like a common sequence. It is. And yeah. so, you know, we were trying to look for the primers and probes and I'm like sitting there having Typing to read A, C, T. Oh, you're kidding. You know, and, and going on and on and on. I was like, there yeah. needs to be a better way for this. You're but, right. Like some of, like not every single one, but like some of the common ones, you're like, yeah, this is rabies three. Yeah. Or something, you know, yes. like we can come up with a logical naming system. Yeah, rabies sequence, pri you know, primer, blah, 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 like, yeah. Although if it gets, I don't know. Anyway, we do like <laughs> to have multiple names for things, but that does seem prone to typographical errors. <laughs> if you're yes. just like, oh, I missed that second A. Um, and like finding it later, which one you missed. Um, well, what gets even more fun is uh, a lot of people have variations of this and you'll go like eight, nine letters deep, mm -hmm. nucleotides deep, and there'll be just one switch and you're like, okay, well I can't buy that one. You know, I've no, got to find the next paper that yeah. tells me what I can use. Ugh, that's super annoying. Yeah. But you're like, that's useless to me. Yeah. Like it's a whole different gene. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. So very then, cool. But speaking of that though, um, one of the things that I found interesting is when they selected those primers and probes, they selected them to cover the most number of known variations within the within rabies oh, okay. worldwide. Okay. Um, they do mention that the limitation is yeah. they only sampled from within Fair. Brazil. Right. But um, that's you what know. I thought you were going to say was your oh. limitation before when you said region. I thought oh. you were, they wanted to go like internationally yeah. or something. Yeah. But, um, but so proof of concept like this works. So you might have to get your own primers in your region. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And you might see some very minor variation right. in your sensitivity and specificity. 
but the process works right. and that's what's important. The proof of concept like this works. And if you change your primers, it's going to work still. Yeah. Like it's going to work. <laughs> now, probably each region will have to go through this, uh, I would imagine, um, for you know quality control type things to find and make sure that they have the primers correct and that it is working, but they should be doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, is really is really what this comes down to. Now, interesting stuff though, because you know I feel like, rabies is one of those diseases that in the u.s i mean we take it for granted right like we know it's bad um but because we don't encounter it much we don't i mean like even as veterinarians we don't learn about it that much i mean we do learn a fair bit considering how infrequently we see it but it's um it's still a worldwide major disease yep. a major human disease um i learned this um when I was practicing in South Africa, like it's, it, we have almost no rabies in the United States and people, we have very, like they report the exact number of cases and it's usually under 10 every year in people, which is wonderful. Um, but that's not true in a lot of other countries in the world. And so, um, you know, which is probably why a lot of the research is, you know, like this is being done elsewhere because it's, it's a bigger, um, you know, uh, health issue, but it's a, it's an incredibly, serious and severe it, it like it's yes. devastating it is yeah. i mean it's i know that some people will say no there's case but it's universally fatal it is like it's fatal it's 100 percent fatal in the in the the handful of cases were like so and so survived i'm like mm, technically but like they're usually vegetables what's the, yeah, i was gonna say what's the quality of i was life? like i don't count that that's not a success like you kept them alive and like from a research perspective you're like okay that's a step closer to maybe fine but that no it is universally it will end your life yeah. Even if you're technically alive, your life is over. And um, it's, 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 sort of, it's sort of crazy um, when you think about how many people die of rabies worldwide each year um, and how much success we've had in the United States just with vaccination programs. Yes. Yeah, getting um, because, rid of the canine version exactly. of rabies in the U.S. was a huge yeah. step forward. Because that's, and if you look at other countries in the world, most people that get rabies are getting it from dogs. That in, in, I don't know, I, don't, I haven't looked at this, maybe you know, but like, it's because we live with dogs and they're, you know, we don't live with bats routinely. We don't live with raccoons and the other animals that people always worry about and they associate with rabies. Um, and it's because the United States decades ago said, this is a problem. We know how to fix it. Rather than vaccinating all the people, we're going to vaccinate all the dogs and we're going to make it required. We're going to make it legally required that you have to vaccinate and license your dog. And I think it was like in the sixties where it was, there was a huge push for this. And it worked. It worked. That's what's It's matters. amazing. Like we vaccinate the dogs and the cats, but the dogs are really the most important one. We vaccinate them and then people don't get rabies. Yeah. Isn't it incredible? I mean, when you start thinking about, that's one of the things I've appreciated being on the public health side is mm -hmm. looking at those populations mm -hmm. and how do we establish barriers within mm -hmm. other populations mm -hmm. to protect ourselves, mm -hmm. protect other animals too. And so when you mm -hmm. start vaccinating Fido and Fluffy, mm -hmm. all of a sudden the human cases of rabies just plummet. Yeah. And it's not that we've eliminated rabies completely in this country. We do still see it, granted, not much, but it's a pretty hardy little virus that it can mm -hmm. stick around. And so we do see it in these other accidental species. Um, but because the the way to give a person rabies is usually through a dog. That's going to be the effective way to give a person rabies if you're on the rabies team. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's going to be your mechanism um, because that's who we are interacting with closely in our lives. And uh, yeah. And so if you can eliminate it in the canine population or dramatically reduce it, you dramatically reduce it in people like, you know, exponentially from there. Um, 
But then bats get a bats. bad rap, you know? Yes. And then people are like, oh, they have, it was like, actually, and, and if you trace back, um, I don't know, maybe you've looked at this, but if you, if you look at, because you've, you alluded to this earlier, but I think a lot of people, and I didn't understand this for a long time, that not all rabies is exactly the same. Exactly. Um, yep. It's rape. And now there's a lot of similarities, obviously. Yes. Um, and ultimately it's going to be fatal and it's going to kill you if you get it. Um, it doesn't necessarily matter which strain you got it from, but we can trace which strain you got it from so that we can find out you know, what was the likely source was because the, the rabies that bats get and that raccoons get and that dogs get are often different. Exactly. So tell, tell us more about that. So, yeah, so the United States has, I think it's four or five different populations of rabies. You've got bats, you've got, um, raccoons, skunks, foxes and then oh mongooses in puerto rico oh, which is always okay. the one the interesting the, one that yeah. i uh, remember so yeah you've got different subpopulations mm -hmm. of rabies and they all carry different variants mm -hmm. um and so you know it's it's all about your amount of time of exposure mm -hmm. and also your geographic region right so that's one of, i think when we talk yeah. about when we talk to veterinarians one of the things that they remember from vet school is okay well, where am i at geographically yeah. and what rabies should i be concerned yeah. about which species which are species? most likely carrying it yeah. um but forgetting that for the most part all of those variants are across the entire country. Yeah. It's just which one's more prevalent where you're at. Exactly. Um, exactly. Unless it's the mongoose one, which is we've only found in Puerto Rico because it's an island. It's an island. <laughs> yeah. And there's no It's hard to bring that one back. Here. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So having those different strains and then, you know, that gets really interesting when you talk about trying to get a vaccine to cover mm -hmm. different strains. You have to find all those conserved regions. Right. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of um, medical geography. Yeah. You know, when I you like think it. about it. Yeah. So. And that's true of a lot of um, infectious diseases where, you know, the overlap between um, the conditions have to be right, right? You have to have the um, the sentinel species or you have to have the, or even just the accidental, whatever, you have to have the right species and the right vector if there's a vector, um, you know, and, and it's it's amazing how you can see the distribution of, of infectious diseases based on geography. I mean, that's really what you have to, you have to consider. Um, but it, it's also interesting that if you don't have a good understanding that people can have very misguided ideas about what's a problem and, and what to do about the problem, like what are the preventive um, methods that are appropriate. Um, and, and that's where I think, you know, animals like bats have gotten a bad rap uh, yeah. in a lot of areas where it's like, oh, bats are doing it. And it's like, well, let's, let's look into it a little bit more. Um, not that you should go play with bats. That's not what I'm suggesting. Yeah. Um, but maybe they're not always the bad guy either. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, doing this research uh, with bats, um, you know, you do have to take your regular precautions, yeah. right? Because it's, you know, it's not always rabies you're worried I was gonna about. Say, it's not like that's things. the only disease out there. I mean, rabies is devastating and terrible, but so are the other things that are real there's, bad too. Yeah. And, and you, there's a lot of other diseases. We know bats worldwide have other diseases mm -hmm. that we haven't even characterized yet. Right. We know they're there. Mm -hmm. We know that they might be a coronavirus. Mm -hmm. They could be all kinds of things. Yeah. We don't know exactly what yeah. they are. We, and we don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, and if it I gets would, into a person. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I would even say, you know, I think bats have been really under the microscope for that. Mm -hmm. But I would I would extrapolate to say there's other species, of plenty course. of other species, that have plenty of other diseases that mm -hmm. we have no idea about. Oh, yeah. So this is something I actually say all the time on clinics. Like you have an animal that comes with a fever. It's probably a virus. 
the end, right? And it's probably a virus that maybe we haven't even discovered yet. Yeah. Like I can't even imagine like how, one, it's like, good job, immune system. Like the other things that we probably encounter on just a, maybe not a daily basis, but a frequent basis um, that, you know, sometimes we get sick, sometimes we don't. Um, But oftentimes, you know, we or our pets get sick and we never figure out why, but we get better, um, which is good. Um, but yeah, I have that conversation with, with clients and students and people all the time is like, okay, well, you know, <laughs> if you have an animal with like a fever and you can't figure out, you know, where the, the problem is and you think it might be infection cause you don't find cancer, you don't find an immune mediated disease. So it's probably something infectious. I think a lot of people go, Oh, bacteria, let's give it antibiotics. I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> it's a virus. It's totally going to be a virus. Yeah. And, and you test for the common ones, but, um, actually years ago, my dad, um, this was probably like 15 years ago now. Um, my dad developed a, a, a fever and, like he was sick for weeks and he went to an infectious disease specialist and I was actually pretty impressed because a lot of times in human medicine, they're, they're not very good with infectious diseases mm-hmm. and zoonotic diseases and things like that. And uh, they did, you know, all, he was living in Michigan at the time. So they, you know, they were looking for West Nile virus and like all the usual things. And they never, I mean, he got pretty extensive infectious disease panel testing. Like all, so there were some, I was like, I haven't even heard of that one. So, uh, you know, they did all the testing. Of course I'm freaking out. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, he's got cancer. You know, yeah. like he's got a fever yeah. that's unexplained. No, I mean, after like three or four weeks eventually went away and they never figured out what it was not for lack of trying and and he's fine now like i said it was 15 years ago but i'm like some unknown virus that you know somebody may get one day discover and he'll never know that's what he had but you know and he just was like flu like achy you know nothing more serious than that luckily he never got horribly i mean he felt felt pretty crummy for a bit just waxing waning fever and aches for several weeks no idea what it was you think about medical history though for for the longest time we described diseases just by the symptoms, yeah. right? And that we makes sense. We still do a lot of that. We, we do, we do. <laughs> we have a lot of syndromes out yeah, there. Mm-hmm. Because, because we just didn't we know, know what it was. Yeah, or how to even figure it out, right? Like germ theory is kind of like magic. Yeah. yeah, this is magic. Yeah, I think the um, the the best advice I've heard recently, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to carry this when I go back into clinics this fall. Um, so there's a, a human ER doctor, mm-hmm. and she presents a lot of videos to classes, and um, she she makes it a pretty clear cut case. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this is what it's going to be. But yeah. She always asks this one question. She goes, "What is the weird thing this could yeah. be? What's the zebra? Yeah, yeah. What's the zebra? And you're like you know once i started asking myself that mm-hmm. question i was like your thinking changes a lot you're yeah. like okay yes this could be cancer or this could be infectious yeah. disease but what but else what else yeah and so so yeah so then when you start talking about like especially in the infectious, infectious disease world mm-hmm. you're like what else what is next yeah and you know there's a lot of people who do mathematical models of prediction yeah. to figure out yeah. what's coming next and when Ooh, it's coming and terrifying. where it's coming and <laughs> you know that's a little bit outside of my realm but the concept of that to me is just yeah, amazing we can predict that and yet we still there's still a lot we don't know right there's still going to be things out there that are going to now i mean you could look at the the most well i don't even know if it's the most recent i heard on the radio this morning that they're calling monkeypox the pandemic now um it's it hasn't reached the level but they are officially mm-hmm. saying i think it was however many 3000 um patients across 42 countries they're like it's fitting the definition for a pandemic but the other pandemic that we're mostly thinking about which is covid um you know there were people who were predicting that kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? And it's not like this was the first. This was just the worst that we've had in modern uh, times. But like, you know, we had SARS, um, uh, 
whichever this COVID was one Kobe one was that what it was this, yep. this Kobe two SARS we had um, SARS one and two MERS yeah, Mer H1N1, yeah like we have the, yeah oh yeah H one N one all the avian flus yeah so we get them routinely this one just happened to really just take over and um and but there were people like shouting like guys we are not prepared for these things like we've had these and we manage this and 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 we're like yeah everything's good we're handling it you know a few people die but people die all the time whatever no we should really plan for one that gets through our defense you know we're really no yeah it's fine it's fine that costs money we don't want to do it. okay and yeah. you know I'm I'm a bit cynical about this but I'm not sure we we're really gonna have learned anything from this one either yeah. I'm you know like personally I'd like to think I have um I tend to um still wear my mask to work um I'm not quite as like strict about it as I used to be um and then certainly if I start to feel crummy boom mask goes on um mm -hmm. like call out sick like don't go to work I've always I'm that's still hard for me gonna not gonna lie yeah um I still feel like terribly guilty about calling mm -hmm. out sick for work which is stupid um but I do um and I'm sure a lot of other people can relate but I'm hoping younger generations will get to be like no why, why would I come in and infect a bunch of other people this is a terrible and I'm really good about other people like no you shouldn't come into work of course you shouldn't that's dumb you're just gonna get everybody else I don't want to get sick stay home like but for me I'm like oh but but then this and, then, and you know yep. I still it's, it's really dumb. Um, but I'm getting better. Like I'm, I, I still have those initial thoughts, but I suppress them and I say, you're being dumb, Bobby. Like, don't do that. Um, that's not what you would re recommend anyone else do. So stop, you know, recommending different things for yourself. Um, so you'd, you'd like to hope that we, we learn from some of these things. Um, and, and, you know, some things we have and some people have, but I think it's not going to be very long before. And even we're starting to see it now. People just kind of going back to normal life. And to some degree we have to, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can't, you know, I don't, we don't all want to be bubble boy. Nope. Like that's not a good life. Um, but are there things that, um, in the medical community, in the public health sector that we can do to try to be better prepared, um, for when the next one hits? Cause it's going to happen because yeah. there's bajillions and bajillions and bajillions of viruses, like exactly. you said, that we don't even know about and they're going to mutate as they do. That's life. And, um, another one will come back and it'll be different and, you know, it'll be transmitted differently or, you know, vector born. Ugh, mm -hmm. That'll suck. Yeah. I hate the vectors. Yeah. That's what, so that's what, you know, we <laughs> spent the whole uh, last week on, on our trip catching bats throughout the Northeast and um, running samples and the car rides, you know, when you're talking about five or six hour car rides in between sites, um, we get into a long, deep discussions oh, about, fun. <laughs> about, you know, the next diseases and uh, all the, you know, where animals are well, moving sense, yeah. and how the interactions are changing mm -hmm. and, um, well, because we're forcing some of that on a lot of the animals, right? Like yeah. we change environments and we have a, a huge impact on our local, um, you know, ecologies and, and that has impact on mm -hmm. disease travel too. Yeah. Even if we weren't, cause it happens anyway, but we, we seem to kind of like push it or expedite it or different things. But yeah, yeah it's kind of scary, but we also generally are pretty resilient and we figure mm -hmm. things out. We're pretty smart. I mean, you know, coming up with the, the COVID vaccines as rapidly as happened was pretty impressive um you know i realized like a lot of the science to do that was already there it's not like we invented vaccines this year yeah. that, that would have been real impressive <clears throat> but um but yeah like when when we we really put our efforts into it like we can we can do a lot of really cool stuff but um yeah yeah 
So really cool about the research you guys are doing. Um, and uh, super glad that you brought this. This is something a little different than we normally do on the show, but I think it's also really cool and, and a good reminder for people to, um, especially in the United States, to not take rabies for granted as much as we do. Yeah. Um, be thankful for our vaccination programs, which have worked really well and take them seriously because they are really important for human health. Um, but, um, but, you know, keep these things in mind. And uh, again, if you get a chance, this is such a cool article. Um, again, it's novel duplex RTQPCR for animal rabies surveillance and, um, and, you know, take a chance to, uh, just kind of update yourself on, you know, like local, ra- what, what rabies, um, is in your area and just kind of keep up with that. Know the, the public health, uh, information, or at least know the resources to reach out to when you need to. But, um, this was really cool. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you bringing this and, and talking to us about it. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, um, I think that is going to be it for um, this discussion, Um, but we will plan to uh, catch you guys next time. I think it's going to be a couple week hiatus because I'm going to be out of town at a conference and then it's a holiday. Um, So it probably would be a couple weeks before our next um, uh, student journal club, uh, but hopefully we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.